You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. Your boy Al Muggle, and welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders podcast. And today we have an amazing guest. Let me tell you, we got the one and only. He's an artist, songwriter, creator. He be killing it all over the scene, and he's from my hometown too. What? I'm so excited to have the one, the only, Mr. Peter Galpin. Woo! Hey, thank you, Al. That's a great intro. Nah, brother, you rock. Thanks for coming through, bro. I appreciate you coming on to talk all this goodness about this amazing new project you got. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, lots to talk about. Yes, we do, because you're you're killing it and smashing. I see you all over the interwebs pushing the book, and I always love to see a creator always talking about their project and making sure that they push it because it's on you. You know what I mean? To make sure people are aware of this fantastic project, you know. And again, thanks for coming on here to talk about this, folks. This is comics. This is music all into one. What? This is exactly what we want. Crazy. So, Pete, let's get started, man. Details. I always say I know you're from New York, but you originally from New York, born and raised, or no? In place else? No, I grew up in Seattle. I Seattle, in, yeah. Seattle, Total opposite coast. Yeah, okay. yeah. I got to be near the. I got to be near the water. So you know, I I grew up there, went to school there, graduated, came came to New York, been in New York for forty years now. So, oh, okay. So yeah. well, all right. So yeah. so how, what was that change like when you went from west <laughs> to east at such a young age? I would suppose. Like, it's like going to a foreign country. I mean, the West Coast is, uh, it really was. Going from, you know, the suburbs of Seattle to Manhattan, um, you know, was was completely different worlds. You know, from West Coast kind of laid back, uh, outdoor culture, beach culture, ski culture, to, uh, you know, New York, intense, intense New York. And this was New York in the 80s when it was, uh, you know. Well, you know, it was, yeah, it was, so you know, it I was taxi, up, yes. taxi driver, right? Yeah. Taxi yeah, driver. When New York was really New York and not this thing that we have there now. But now it's kind of reverting almost to the old. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it turned into a shopping mall for a while. And, and now, well, it still is. It's a shopping mall. But it is. It, man, absolutely yeah. is. That, so talk about the origins of your geekdom or your fandom, rather. What, what was your first love ever? Um, well, as, as a child, I, I, I did collect comic books. I collected Spider-Man and uh, Superman and the Hulk uh, and and the Archies. Um, and all those shows had Saturday, mo- all those comics had Saturday morning cartoon shows. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there was a Saturday morning Spider-Man show. The Archies had a show, you know, it was all that, you know, I, was, I wasn't very discriminatory. I, I, I liked it all. We ate um, it up. Yeah. Yeah. It was great <laughs> stuff. And I collected and I, and a funny thing is my, my mom years later, when, after my mom passed away, I, I was clearing out her uh, garage, and she had saved all my old comic books, Aww. boxes and boxes of them. Are you telling me a mother actually saved the stuff? Yeah, yeah. Oh my, my god! I had you know like my my first pair of of ice skates and 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 my first uh, baseball mitt. All that stuff is in the in the uh, in the garage. Oh, that so we, must have been an emotional time you going through that, and then actually finding that she kept it. 
Well, oh my God. you know, I'd forgotten all about that stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately for those comic books, I had created my own weird little, um, cataloging system. I don't know why I did this, but, um, I had a magic marker, uh, several magic markers. And I started, I must, I think it was in, when I was in about third or fourth grade, I was a student librarian. And so I was learning about the library, uh, you know, the Dewey decimal yeah. system and all that. And I had a lot of comic books. So I wanted to organize them in some, by some category. And I have no idea what categories those were, but when we, <laughs> when we pulled out the comics in the upper right-hand corner of every comic, is a big magic marker number letter of some sort. Ah, ah. I mean, for old books, now they don't really spank you too much because if it's something key, they will still take it off your hands. Markers or not. <laughs> well, well, we, I, I gave them to one of my, my younger cousins. I said, here, you take them, see what you can, you know, if you want to keep them or, or, you know, see what they're worth. He took them to a dealer and the guy, it was like that, that, uh, roadshow antiques. You know, <laughs> yes. where they said, you know, if you, you bring in the, the, the chair that's, that would have been worth, uh, you know, $15,000, except you painted it pink 10 years ago. <laughs> Anything, right? So it was that kind of deal for my cousin. He said, "Well, he actually took off all the covers and he framed them in his in his basement rec room." So, oh, oh, so they're on display. I, I hope they weren't keys because I would catch a heart attack if I see just the cover to a key. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm a geek that way. <laughs> well, they they would have been from from uh, you know '66 through '69, something like I that. Don't even, you know what? I'm gonna stay quiet because yeah, I'm pretty sure you had that. you had some crazy gems there, and I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. All right, so okay, so were you alone in, in this nerddom, geekdom of yours as you were growing up? Um, some of my friends collected books too. I mean, there was, we had a neighborhood store. It was, I don't know uh, what the name of it was. It was, it was called the, the little store. I mean, it wasn't just a comic book store. They sold candy and they sold detergent. They sold everything. And they had a, they had racks, those racks that you'd spin around the of comic books, Love it. you know? And so if I had enough money left over from lunch on my way home and all I needed probably was 25 cents to buy a comic in those days. All right. Um, I'd, I'd pick one up at the little store. Be honest, Peter. How many times did you not eat lunch? Cause you needed the next issue. Well, you know, <laughs> no, a growing boy eats lunch, you know, like, right. you know, school, <laughs> you never lunch, sacrifice lunch. school <laughs> lunches aren't that big, you know, sometimes uh, you eat, you know, but there were only, you know, uh, probably a lunch in those days was a buck, you know? So if I just got the burger and no fries, Maybe I, I you didn't murder. want the suicide fries. You would take the murder burger over that. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> if, if I had a, if I had a comic book I wanted on the way home, you know, yeah, I'd make that sacrifice. There you go, man. There you go. Pete is a man for, of the people. You know what I mean? Sacrificing for his geekdom. All right, bro. So talk about then getting creative. When, when did that spark happen in your life? Well, I, I grew up in a musical family. My parents were uh, classical musicians. So I I always had that ever since I was, as long as I can remember, that's what we, that's what we did as a family. We did, we did classical music. And then of course, as I became a teenager and uh, you know, I wanted to do rock and roll. And so that caused all sorts of friction (laughs) between the classical uh, parents and and myself. Um, And, and so I, and I always drew also, I was, I I did art a lot. I did a lot of drawings. Um, not that I'm an illustrator today, but I have worked as a graphic designer for, for many, many years. So, All right. um, 
so it's kind of, uh, I, I always did music and art together. And that's what I studied in college. And when I came to New York, I worked as a graphic designer and also had bands that I played in. And we were playing, you know, CBGBs and the various clubs around. Oh, my God. He says CBGBs. I never, ever got to go before it closed. Yeah, it's a shoe store now, I think, or something like a that. A shoe store? Yeah, man? yeah. With, condo, oh. with condos up above. Oh, my God. What Very a disgrace. Very sad. Very sad. That should have been a historical mark that should have never been touched in NY. Somebody somebody bought all the facade of the of CBGBs and moved it. It's at Newark Airport. No, the facade? It's a, it's a gift shop at Newark Airport. You can go there and buy... Blondie t-shirts and Ramones t-shirts and stuff like Same that. Yeah, yeah, it's very. It's, I gotta it's, ask you though. So you obviously got to go. What was that experience like? It's such a you know world famous spot. Well, I mean, it was a dump. It was a <laughs> it was. dive. You know, I mean, <laughs> the, the bathrooms were downright scary. Um, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh my god, no, no, don't don't go in there. Um, but you know, it had a great sound system and a great pool table. They had a really good pool table that you could play cheaply. Um, and it was just a, a, a great place to hang out and, and you'd run into everybody you knew there on a, on a Friday or Saturday night. So nice, nice, nice. So your first uh, dive into creativity was through music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was a musician first. Then I, I studied graphic design and worked as a designer in uh, the advertising uh, business for many years advertising so here you are this geek this musician your family and all you get into advertising well i was i was doing uh you know logos and posters and brochures and then websites um it was it's it was one of the few ways a a a creative person uh artistically creative person could could make a living so um that's what i did and i always did music kind of on the side um playing in, in various bands, like I, like I was saying, and writing music. And I wrote music for, um, you know, commercials and a couple television shows and uh, did. dance did. performances. How did you get into that, though, into that realm where you, your stuff was now getting, being produced, if you will? Well, I was an art director. And if I had a project that I knew, knew needed a soundtrack to it, I would hire myself <laughs> to do the music. <laughs> that was, the, <laughs> that was the, the first gigs. The first uh, paid music <laughs> gigs I got were projects that I was art directing, like a uh, an industrial film for a trade show. And I and I'd say to the client, "Well, we need you know we need five minutes of music to go along with with this, and I, and we can get we can commission some music from this band I know." And then I might not actually mention that I was in the band. <laughs> Yeah. I hey bro, you gotta do what you gotta do. Hey, you need music? Hey, you know what? I can make you some good music. I know, know a guy. I know a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. You know, it's New York, right? Yeah, that's the hustle, though. Exactly. Yeah. Say yes and figure it out. Right, right. So that's that's how I first got got music uh, gigs, and then I did uh, you know some some soundtracks for uh, for dance performances at downtown dance performances, and oh, where um, so and and then at one point I was. Uh, I was writing songs and I, I, I wrote some songs about a certain person, a guy named Robert Moses. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, yes, and, of course. You know, the urban, the urban planner, right? So I was, yeah. I was, yeah. I was, yeah. I was reading. The, the Van Wick, was it? 
they, oh, he almost every parkway in New York. He's, yeah, yeah. But that yeah. damn parkway, yo, I had a friend that had a, had a IROC back in the day, and he decided to do like a hundred on that particular. And I thought I was going to die. I'm like, please stop, yo. The curves. I'm like, this is not meant to be driven at high speed, bro. <laughs> well, well, you know why his his roads, and, and this will be quick, his roads curved around like that is because he bought up different chunks of property to to kind of wind his roads through. And some people wouldn't sell to him. So he'd have to like, you know, curve the road way around Farmer Joe's, you know, property to get to the other side. Gee, so, thanks, Farmer Joe. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I, I was writing, I, for some reason, I wrote a couple songs about him. And I said, you know what, I said to my wife, what, what am I going to do with these songs about Robert Moses? She said, well, why don't you write a musical? So I ended up writing a musical. It was called Bulldozer. It ran for a couple months off off Broadway. Okay. Um, oh, nice. Wait, and, wait. So you wrote the musical and you landed it off Broadway? What yeah. was that journey like? Getting for you to pitch and land? Uh, I was lucky. I met I met some people. I met uh, a good management company that that took me under their wing and and brought in a director and and a casting person and um, we had a, a guy named Constantine Maroulis was our our star. He was a winner. Uh, in from, oh, from American I Idol, I remember Constantine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So he was, he was, he played Robert Moses with a wig. He had a, a short, that was a short hair wig. Yeah, funny. yeah. So, so I did that. That was like four or five years ago. Um, and at that time, I started writing this story, this this climate change story. I was writing songs about climate change. Okay. Um, and, uh, it took me, you know, about five years to get this story and the songs completed. I have a writing partner, Greg Ostrin, who, who worked on the script, uh, with me. Shout out Greg. Yeah. And uh, he's, he's in LA. And, uh, and so I, I'd done that, that first musical with, uh, uh, Bulldozer and that had about 25 songs in it. And so I wrote the second one. It has about 20, I think it has 23 songs in it. And then COVID hit. Mm, of course. Just as we were starting to do table readings to do a live version of oh, another so, off-Broadway show. Oh, so was it this one that you were going to do? Yeah, yeah, we were going to do it. I mean, so, we literally started doing table readings in January of 2020. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything shut down. And so I had this script and demos of the song sitting in, an, you know, in my computer. And I thought, how can I you know, keep this project alive, you know, because it was just impossible. It was, it was going to be impossible to do um, an off-Broadway 10-person cast live band show, you know, that just wasn't going to happen. Um, and so I came up with the idea, well, maybe, maybe a, a graphic novel would be a good approach. Um, but I wanted to incorporate the music with it. I didn't just want it to be the reading experience. I wanted it to be the listening experience too. So then we came up with this idea of, of embedding QR codes into oh. the, into the print. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can see. Wait uh, a minute. Folks, check this out. What a great idea. So right there, all they do is scan that baby and they're listening to some music. It takes you right to the website where the six songs in volume one are posted as oh. MP3s and you can listen to them for free there while you're reading. So it, it's a real immersive experience now. Oh, I am digging the crap out of this. So before I start showing off the wonderful art on this book, because folks, wait till you see this gorgeous looking book. Uh, talk about setting it up and, you know, the learning curve behind that, because now you're saying, okay, I wanted to do a show. Now I have to learn how to make a comic book. <laughs> what was that learning curve like? 
Well, fortunately, as an art director, working as an art director, I've art directed lots of illustrators and photographers and videographers and whatever my projects needed. I'd actually worked with a few comic book illustrators over the years, and we'd done small comic book, uh, semi-comic books for corporations, like for a presentation or for a new product or a service. And, um, cause, cause it gets a lot of attention. The corporations that we did these comic books for loved it. You know, they, they, it was the most uh, fun piece of corporate literature they, they'd ever done, right? It's so, corporate. I mean, you know what I mean? It's crap. Do they do anything fun? They need people like you to bring life. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, right. That's what we try to do. So, so I had done that before. And so I, I thought, well, you know, I can, I can storyboard it. I can sketch right. it out to a degree. And, you know, I know the, I, I know the script and I know where the songs go and I know, you know, where the emotional highlights are and where we want to have space and where we can have dialogue and things like that. So, um, we, we searched around. We found, uh, uh, Patrick Barrett, a terrific, uh, illustrator, comic illustrator out in LA. Um, and he also does a lot of storyboarding for movies and, and okay. television pilots. So he really worked with us on the, the scene, on, on who's in this scene and, and, and thinking of it like almost from a camera angle point of view, you know, talking to someone, looking at their face here, looking at the response over here, seeing a little bit of the environment, the room that they're in or the backdrop. So he, he, and he brought the characters to life. He dressed everybody for us. He, you know, these are, these are people a hundred years from now who are basically, um, um, you know, just have, have very little, they're just trying to survive. Um, and so their, their outfits, their clothing, their haircuts, um, what they what they look like is very important um, to defining the environment that they're in. Like, uh, you know, their, their clothing is all mismatched because it's all stuff they've found, you know, abandoned or that's washed up, you know, on the shoreline. It's, it's kind of like a, a Gilligan's Island, but in the future. You know, Gee, uh, so you're talking about this is a musical, a post-apocalyptic musical? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's 100 years in the future. And um, uh, sea levels have risen a hundred feet. Oh, wow. so most of Manhattan is flooded. There are some high points in the island. Uh, Brooklyn Heights is a high point. You know, Washington Heights is another high point where where there are little pockets that of of dry land, and that's where our story takes place up in uh, Washington Heights, right by the the George Washington Bridge. That's the highest point in Manhattan. Oh, really? Literally yeah. though? Okay. Literally. Yeah. I, I had a, I, I found an app, an, an altitude app that I had in my phone and I would wander around the city and find and, and use the app to figure out what the, what, how many feet above sea level we were. <laughs> what? What a geek. Oh my God. Like, oh, 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 sir, what are you doing? I'm measuring altitude. Excuse me. You want to, you want to, <laughs> you want to stop dinner conversation? Pull out your altitude app and say, I wonder what, what the altitude here is. Oh, we're only 40 feet above sea level. Uh oh. Let's get the check. We got to go. Yes, please. Uh, a slight wind is going to cause a flood. I love it. And look at folks. This is the cover to this beautiful book. Who did this awesome cover right here? This was done by, by Patrick Barrett. He, he did this. Um, DC Alonzo uh, is our colorist. Uh, he's a Spanish artist. So we had a guy in LA and a guy in Spain and me in the middle in New York kind of coordinating all of this. So we were, uh, 
oh, cir- wow. circumnavigating the globe with this project. So how fun is that to work, you know, remotely in such a way with people that are not even standing next to you? <laughs> it's very it's very efficient, you know, because I send a sketch uh, to to Patrick. He he, you know, draws up that page. I take a look at it. We make you know, we go back and forth with PDFs, uh, make a few adjustments. Um, I sent we send it off to Alonzo in Spain and it's nighttime uh, he's sleeping while we're working. And then when we get up in the morning, there's color waiting for us to look at. Uh, so we're like a beautiful around cycle. the clock. <laughs> it's a beautiful cycle, right? Hey, I'm sending these blank pages. You wake up and like, oh, my God, they're done. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I would wake. You know, I would open my computer at, at you know, eight or nine in the morning. And uh, we, and he's he's seven or eight hours uh, later than me. You know, it's the end of his. It's late afternoon for him. Um and but he's been working on it all day long. I get it first thing in the morning. I look at it, make a few comments like, "Oh, can we get more more pink in her hair?" And, oh, and I send it to him. And by the end of the day, he's made the change. So nice, very effective, nice. very cost effective, and time effective. And who over here? We meet the cast. Yes, this is the cast. Uh, there are ten people in the show in the in the story, um, and this is a poster. The idea here, you see the fish swimming by here. This is a poster in the subway in New York. You know how there's always the show posters? Yeah, on the west side, folks. All right, This is probably the AE or C train. <laughs> yeah, well, you see uh, 8th, 7th and 8th Avenue there. So, yeah, it's it's over on the west side. It might be the A, B, C, or D, you know, yeah. or, the, or the E. Um, but it's underwater. It's, it's flooded. You can see the poster is underwater, um, and the fish are swimming past it. So... Wow, the fact that fish can survive on the New York subway. <laughs> I mean, once that water's in there, you know, look at that old dirt that's been there for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah. Well, the subway's flooded during Hurricane Sandy. You know, they were yes. completely flooded in some spots, and that's what gave us the idea to to do this for our our uh, cast page to yeah, have thank, it underwater. Thank you for bringing us New Yorkers back to those days because <laughs> that wasn't fun when that happened. Holy smokes, this is downtown? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, God. yeah. So downtown, you can see there is, is kind of flooded. Uh, the streets are all filled in. Um, the story is being introduced by uh, a character whose name is Sky, And she is, uh, or he is, we're not sure. She's a trans, they, they are, uh, okay. a transgender indigenous person. There's actually uh, the... the uh, Native Americans had a word for it. It was a uh, um, a two spirit. They called these people two spirits. They were male and female, and they actually existed in their in their society. Yeah. So we thought because of of our our subtitle for Volume One is Last of the Manhattas, and that was the name of Manhattan, also the name of the Indian tribe that lived in Manhattan. We thought it'd be appropriate to have an indigenous person be kind of our narrator hopefully they're not giving away an island for beads though in the future (laughs) well yeah i love that story you know the fact that that okay now so so you know new york is all about real estate right yeah all the richest people in new york are are in the real estate business so so that story about um you know the the lenny uh lenape indians uh trading manhattan for you know 24 dollars worth of 
beads trinkets. and trinkets <laughs> and mirrors and stuff. I think was that with with Peter Stuyvesant? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that was the original um, real estate deal uh, in New York, and and a good real estate deal. The best real estate deals are when both parties go away thinking they screwed the other guy, right? <laughs> so that yeah, was, I know because Native Americans then buy land, but land is free. What do you mean buy yeah, land? Yeah, they're 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 like, sure, buy it, whatever. They said, <laughs> they said, hey, look, they gave us all this stuff. We don't even own this place. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, right? Yeah, the the idea. Of, okay, now we're gonna own the land, and, right. and I I wish that they knew that back then. How much different would the world have been? <laughs> right? Yeah, what is it about Western European civilization that wants to, uh, you know? I mean, I'm 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 all you know, we're all descended from it, right? Uh, but what is it about that civilization that just wants to dominate the landscape and dominate other people? Um, oh yeah, don't you tell me about all that stuff. That yeah, I mean, the, our history is, is so messed up. Uh, the human history, it's just as a whole, you know, all about humans treating other humans, you know, like low lives. Ah, come on, folks, we could do so much better in the world. It is why we have people like Peter creating fun stuff for us to get entertained with, you know, yes. and scare the shit out of us. And so there's a little there's a little history here of of you know the glaciers are melting the seas rising the cities flooding it goes kind of chronologically um, from was it two two thousand thirty up to uh, oh. up to twenty one hundred you are um, messing with me what's up with those fires so so you know another big part of of climate change is not just sea levels rising but the the devastation of the forests all around the world so you know we wanted to uh, acknowledge that at the beginning here as, and that's one of the reasons the world's heating up and one of the reasons the glaciers are melting, you know, it's all, it's all a cycle. It's all, it's all connected. Um, and then the, 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 the big thing that's going to happen, I think uh, many people think this many experts, um, is, is climate forced migration. Oh yeah. You know, there's going to be whole areas of, and it's already happening. I mean, it's happening in, in Africa. That's, that's the, the, the migrants going going into Europe. It's happening in Latin America. You know, the migrants trying to come up uh, through Mexico. Um, you know, there's going to be parts of the world that that people live in today that in 50 years are probably uninhabitable. You know, so so people. You know, and is that going to be a a managed retreat, as they like to call it? You know, right now the U.S. government is doing things like moving um, indigenous uh, uh, people off of, of land during, in the Mississippi Delta, you know, in the uh, really? in Louisiana. Yeah, their islands there are sinking, they're, they're flooding. So they're slowly moving entire villages back um, from, the, from the coast. But wow. they can do that with 100 people or 500 of people course. or 1,000 people. What, how do they do that with a, with a city? You know, is there just going to be a, a mass? Are people just going to say, you know, I can't live here anymore? What about my, you know, Miami Beach is going to be underwater by the definitely underwater in, oh, in man. the next 50 oh, no years. No more South Beach? Oh my god. Yeah. No, they'll, <laughs> no, they'll just be a, they'll just be more of it. <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot more. <laughs> you know. We, we don't want that, but yeah, so, and, and thank you for even bringing this topic into the comics with music and all and a bit of of, of history because again, man, you know, we hope we this is not where it leads, but the potential is definitely there. Yeah, it's it's there's scary stuff out there. So then this is this is what our little island here, 
Um, you can see the George Washington Bridge there kind of dilapidated and rusting and the, uh, you know, the, the ropes, the, the cables are all snapped. So it's not really usable. So, so our story takes place in some buildings right, right in there. Um, okay. uh, that these people have, uh, kind of managed to get to and they've been there for 10 years. And there's a small group of them, about uh, uh, eight eight people, um, and there it's on the eve of a superstorm. A superstorm is coming in, like a huge hurricane. They, the, the the wind is picked up. The uh, white caps are are blowing on the Hudson, um, you know. And so they are um, going to have to decide whether they stay here or do they attempt to leave. And that's really what the story is about. Gosh, and through music. So talk about music. So here I see the barcode. So is this a different song than what's on the cover? So is, is there via chapter where I get to the the barcode takes you takes every all, the barcodes are all the same. It takes you to okay. the website where all six songs are. We didn't oh, want so it doesn't matter. Okay. We, we didn't want to have a different barcode for it. So once you once you've barcoded in to the site, you don't have to do it again. But we put a barcode on every song just to remind people. Understood. Understood. So when I'm reading and listening, what's the, what's the best best method for me to do so? Well, I, I think when you come to this page and you see the barcode, go, you know, click on it, listen to the song and, and read along. You know, um, most of the lyrics are in in the comic not all the lyrics are in the comic okay. we we for for real estate for space saving reasons sometimes we left out a verse or you know in songs there's a lot of repetition yes. like especially in choruses you might say the same phrase multiple times well we felt you didn't read need to read it multiple times you would get the idea so yeah, let the just, song do it <laughs> yeah yeah so it's just you know take take a moment listen to the song look at look at the you know the lyrics the song will end maybe in a page or two, and then the dialogue will begin again, and you can continue on with the story. I'm really digging this page, though, because, you know, it's just the clouds, the city, the music notes. The birds, the little the birds. birds. There's always yeah. birds. There's yeah. always going to be birds. And the placement of the lettering, too. I mean, it doesn't disturb the art, nothing. It's gorgeous, yo. This is a great page, man. Patrick did the lettering, too. Our, our Ooh, illustrator, really, so, so and I think wow. that was a, I think that was a real benefit because he could then, you know, he he had seen my my thumbnail sketches, so he knew that that la- this language needed to appear uh, somewhere on the page, so he could kind of anticipate with his drawing where there was going to be space to put the balloons. Beautiful folks, I mean, look at that paint, that color, my gosh, you know, that's taking the book because we can't tease the whole thing, folks, all right. Uh, all right, this is too good. You got to go to the shop and make it rain. So, uh, what's the length of the story? You know, is this the one shot graphic novel? Are we going to split this up? Who's the publisher? Talk to me. Well, uh, it's self published right now. You know, we'd, hey! love to, we'd love to find a publisher who could, you know, work with us on distribution and stuff. But, uh, you know, we've got it selling at uh, CWS Bookstore. I don't know if you know uh, Comic Wellspring. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we've got a page up there. You can buy a print version for eleven ninety nine or a digital version for five ninety nine. What? And how many pages we get? Uh, it is thirty six pages. This is volume one. This is just volume one. It's going to be four volumes. Oh damn! Eventually, 
You know, so where are you at with Where you at then? Where are you at? So right now we have volume one is out. Where are you story wise? In your the whole story, the whole story is written. It's done. Okay. It's, it's, so where are we at with the, the start? The story is written. The songs have been demoed. Um, what? You know, I have, I have demos of all the songs. I need to go back in the studio with my band. Uh, we have a four piece band that recorded all this stuff with me. Um, nice. And then we'll bring the singers back in. The the uh, and they're all Broadway people. What? Um, but oh, we got some quality here. What? Oh yeah, yeah. The singers are great. Emily, uh, Emily uh, Batista is is our young uh, uh, ingenue, so to speak, in the show. Um, she's been in uh, Miss Saigon. Um, uh, Jeremy Kushner is is our um, uh, kind of father figure, mayor of the town. Uh, he's been in uh, Head Over Heels and uh, just a bunch of shows. Um, uh, our uh, uh, Doug Eskew, who plays, uh, sings the part of Ezra, who is our old elder, our old uh, African-American elder. And he keeps the history for these people. He has a scrapbook that he, he references stuff and he starts quoting Walt Whitman and things like that. Doug was actually old Deuteronomy in Cats years ago. So, really? yeah, yeah. So we've got oh, wow. some we've got some great voice. We tried to cast everybody um ethnically correct. So Thank we, you. So if we show like like our our priest is Asian, we found an Asian actor to be our priest. We did not want to give that part to a, you know, a white guy. Say, yeah. you know, which we easily could have done, right? Yeah. So, so the diversity, you know, we've got we've got Latinos, we've got African Americans, we've got Asians. Um, I really got, think though that that's because you are a New Yorker and, and and you live in that, so it's the norm. Well, and and another thought that was behind uh, the development of this is that the future of society uh, is is going to be a uh, much more of a melting pot than it's been in the past. You know. Yeah. Uh, Caucasian uh, is is shrinking, and uh, Latin African American Asian is growing. So there was an article done, I think it was in uh, National Geographic, that talked about the browning of America, and the they browning. <laughs> the browning of America, <laughs> and I'm not talking about chicken. Um, <laughs> it showed faces every ten years. What? How fit the average face? A computer is a, a computerized, uh, yeah. you know, face uh, that showed the the makeup of the average face of an American every ten years going forward for a hundred years, and it showed how the features were were combining, you know, the, wow. to to where people no longer really look. You don't look Asian or or Latino or white. You're just you're a mixture of that, you know. <laughs> I and, love it. Puerto Ricans have been going through that all our generations. Because let me tell you, I, I, I've hung out with guys whiter than you. And they're like, oh, and they were saying in Spanish, like, why are you hanging out with this white boy? And he come out, I'm more Puerto Rican than you, bro. What are you talking about? And like, oh, shit, they would get shocked. Oh, yeah, but I have, have so many flavors, they ain't funny. <laughs> I, have, I have, I have, you know, Dominican friends who say, you know, we have, we have white people in our family. Yeah. You know, I go, wow, that's great. So and let happen? me just give you a taste of Santo Domingo. Oh, you're loco, que la vaina. <laughs> to Santo Domingo. I have family that's, you know, that are Dominican as well. So it's like, yeah, we all combine. It's funny. 
Yeah, so so that was an idea here in in Wait. the casting of this show. We, it, we did not want it to be. It couldn't be because in the future, you know, the, my the, my show Bulldozer was all white people because in 1930, New York was there. <laughs> was mainly white people, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, at least the people in you know positions of power or notoriety. A hundred percent. You can't but, deny the past, folks. The right. truth. <laughs> so, so that was cast with white people. Now, going, you know, this show a hundred years from now, um, it just had to reflect what what the racial mix is going to be. Wonderful, yeah, wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Because again, I don't think a lot of people, at least middle America, have exposure like that to, no. to different uh, cultures and and people. So, as nice again for us, it's normal. West Coast, East Coast. Because of the coast, I think is why you know we are accustomed to seeing so much diversity. So it's something that's natural for us. But when you went into the middle of the country, it's like, oh, what do you mean? Nope. Everybody, you know, me, I'm a Mexican. There's no such thing as Puerto Rican. Yeah. I went to a concert once, a Slipknot concert once, and someone asked me, "Where are you from?" I said, "Puerto Rico." And this person was from Russia, and asked me, "Where is that?" And I was like, "Oh, damn." My boy just looked at me. He goes, I'll just walk away. <laughs> well, and, 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 and you probably couldn't point, uh, you probably couldn't name a state in Russia either. No, I'm in Moscow. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're ignorant to stuff that's on the other side of the world. Um, yeah. Even when I first moved to New York, people would say, where, where are you from? You sound, um, you, you don't sound like you're from here. And I'd say, well, I'm from Seattle. And they it, they kind of draw a blank and they go, Is that that's near Canada, right? <laughs> kind of, yeah, but no, we're in the states. Yeah, because Microsoft hadn't happened and Amazon hadn't happened yet, so they'd say, yeah, that's by Canada. It must it, it snows there a lot. No, no, it doesn't snow. It rains. My, it rains. You know? I would love to have then your accent mixed with mine and then the Bostonian accent, and for for each one of us to tell each other that our accents are horrible. I love it. There's a great book. <laughs> That's written about all the East Coast uh, dialects, like a oh. Boston accent, a Baltimore accent, a Jersey accent, and how originally all of those accents can be traced to different seaports in England. Really? Yeah, because, say, from Liverpool, most of the ships went to, um, you know, uh, uh, Baltimore or from okay. Manchester. Most of the ships went to Boston. So they've done linguistic studies that show how that those accents are tied together. And actually a southern <laughs> accent, a southern accent and a Boston accent are just variations of an English accent, of a oh British my accent. Yeah. Oh my, don't don't tell these Massachusetts folks that they're not there from England because they're not gonna be acting all bougie and, and drinking tea with their pinkies up. Don't do that. Oh, or no, rather, no, or no. rather their beer with their pinky up. <laughs> no, no, the, 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 you're never gonna get them out of Duncan. <laughs> For real. I mean <laughs> Like Duncans are to Massachusetts, like bodegas are to New York on every corner. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're right. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging. I'm digging it. So we have four volumes planned for this wonderful book, Higher Ground, the musical volume one out now available. You said at SCWS uh, and the website. I'm sure people can buy it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all well. They can. It connects to CWS. Okay. Great. Great. From the website. Beautiful. Yeah. So once this baby is, you know, you know, out there, you know, is doing this thing, when are we getting volume two? What's the plan? Well, um, I, I would like to think that every, you know, every six months we could have a new volume out. It's probably going to be more like a year, because what we're doing next for volume one is we're going to do an audible recording. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna you know uh, record the the dialogue with our actors, add some sound effects, put the songs in, and it'll become a oh. 30, thirty-five minute long radio play. Bro, that's yeah. awesome. Because that's For a real. very kind of cost-effective thing to do at this point. Yes. You know, to to create the next the next two volume or the next three volumes. You know, well, we got to do all the artwork, we got to record all the songs, we got to do the the singing. You know, that, that's a big that's a big task. But but we could record the audio for for an audible uh, uh, radio uh, podcast. Basically, we could do that fairly cost-effectively. So. Um, I think that's what we're going to try to do next. I'm digging it. Have they done stuff like that before? Like as, with a musical on Audible? I, I don't recall that. I, I think so. I, maybe not. I know they've done a few with narration and music, like one, okay. one actor. I don't think they've done a lot with, um, you know, uh, 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 an ensemble. Yes, make it happen, kiddo. You, you're making it happen. And folks, look, that way you get a tease of the site. I wanted to show that before we go. I mean, yeah, they're wanna, all the songs. There they yep, are. Yep. It gives a taste of the music right here. You can the purchasing link right there. So that's, that's the first thing you're going to hit, folks, when you visit this website. You go here, you know, you pull out your wallet. You know, yes, it's 420. So if you have money for weed, then guess what? You know, put, put a couple of bucks aside, get your smoke, and then you're going to go buy this, read it and listen to the music. You're going to be immersed. In yeah. a world like no other. And they ship anywhere in the world. And there we go. I mean, look at this wonderful page. You got videos here with the official lyric video. Let, let me show you a little piece. Just, just a little piece. Don't ding me, manager. <laughs> I think I didn't add the audio. <laughs> let me do this right, sir. Hold on. But yeah, this is what it is. This is some awesome stuff. Because this is what amazing independent creators do. They think outside the box and they try to bring you a different an awesome experience, right? I want to. I want to do a board game of it too. Oh, what? Your higher ground is going. Is he definitely hitting the higher ground, huh? <laughs> check this out. Life goes on in joy, as it always does. Forever adapting and growing. Stronger because life goes on and on against all the odds we survive. I'm digging the song. <laughs> I am digging this song. Yo, dude, that's that little sample there. We must carry on. You got me thinking. I, I was about to start diving into a whole train of thought over here as I was listening. I was like, wait a minute. Let me stop it now before this show goes on much longer than it should. Yeah, well, that was, that was our, our uh, young girl, Emily Batista, singing there a cappella. Wow. Um, wow. And then, you know, that, that opening song is kind of an introduction to everybody. So everybody in the oh, show okay. sings a few different lines here and there. So this is perfect for that scene where we see the fish in in, in the subway with the poster, right? And, yeah. And the lady explaining, great, gotcha, oof. And so we just took the we took the artwork from you know the the comic book and did some movement with it, you know, kind of digitized it a little Most bit. Most comic. Some, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and repurposed it, you know, very uh, inexpensively to to do. How much fun did you have doing that? Now, seeing your project come to life like this now, because as a comic book nerd now, he's like, you're playing with art and music, 
you know, you're a nerd of both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's all because of, of technology that we're able to do that. You know, I mean, that that video was I edited that in uh, iMovie. You know, the the really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, I, I do all my demo, my song demos in, in GarageBand. And then we go, I take that into the studio with other musicians. Peter, man, you, you are of my generation. Could you imagine if we had this when we were young bucks? <laughs> right? Yo, we'd be, we'd be kings of the world. <laughs> I started, as a kid, I started off with a, a, a little cassette or a, a tape machine that had little tapes that were like this big. Oh, I, I, I still have one of those. I have a mini one with the mini tape, and I still have an, one of the first Panasonic handheld recorders. Yeah. That reporters would use. Right, I, right. I have, and it's in working condition in the box, in the styrofoam. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. We thought that was high tech, you know. Right. And and oh. now, you know, and then and then things like TIAC, uh, four tracks came in, and then eight tracks came in and then now there's a million tracks, you know, yep. so there's no, no limitations. And, and these kids complain. I mean, we used to walk around with these folks. Yeah. All right. Oh and, yeah. You know, and then we used to have to open it up and pull out a cassette tape. <laughs> is, that's a, is that a mini? Is that a mini tape? No, no this is, this is a regular? old school okay. TDK tape, you know, this is the old school Sony. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it still works, mind you. And you could use that there and you could pop it into the cassette player in your car. Yeah. You know, or at home, and, and you know, and it would only it would only jam every other time you used it. <laughs> you ain't lying. Although you, you take a pencil and you twist. Listen, we need to do those experiments, uh, you know, Peter, because we're of that age, and I've seen experiments done where they put a rotary phone in front of these millennial kids and ask them to dial. They yeah. never pick up the handle, and they're like pressing the rotary, and then they figure out to move it, but they never pick up the handle first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, is that how you do it? Like, no. <laughs> no. Nobody knows what you have to listen. You know, you have to wait for the dial tone, kids. Yes. And, all about, and then mommy telling you, get off the phone. Well, when I was a kid, we had a party line with uh, several other families, our neighbors. Oh, no, you did. We all shared. We all shared the <laughs> line. And, and the, the kids next door, young teenage girls, they were always on the phone. And my dad, he would just pick up the phone. He said, and he'd say, get off the phone. I need to use it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it was you get embarrassed because you know come on, as, as guys we're here trying to match to the girls back then hey baby what up and then all of a sudden mommy comes on hey you gotta i gotta use the phone like, oh shit yeah. i'm messing up my game or they, thank somebody, god for cell phones somebody would pick up the phone in the in the in the other room you know that, that were connected you know and they'd be listening to you right? yeah, and, hear, and laughing at you yeah you'd hear the little click is someone on the line <laughs> who's breathing <laughs> now now we got these things that you know are just amazing Yes, they it's are. Absolutely I mean, amazing. I see. Uh, they're making movies with these things nowadays, Peter. I mean, again, what if we had these? Although, I kind of good we didn't have these when we were kids because we probably would have been arrested tenfold. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, yeah we been <laughs> the stuff tenfold. that we did back then was not something. It was good. It was. It, it built our character by having <laughs> to do everything the hard way. Yes, you know, uh, being left on your own at seven years old, cooking ham sandwiches and coming, coming back home only when the streetlights came on. Good old days, folks. Yeah. Where where you been? Nobody ever even asked where you were. Like, just be <laughs> home for dinner. Right? Right? I love it, Peter. What happened? What happened? Anyway. Yeah. Oh, well. We're just... It's all right. You know, we, we, we're we here, though. And, and if these kids enjoy all this stuff, guess what, kids? 
going to bring you back, tone it down for you to pick up a book, you know, and you could use your device at the same time because you're going to pick it up. You could pick up your, your little phone, scan that barcode, put it down, read and listen to music. What? Combination of old school and new school, kitties. Yeah, buy an album. Yeah, yo, what? What? Wax is back, so kids, come on now. You got you, you got to get hooked up to something this amazing. The Higher Ground has awesome messaging, four volumes, music by, by an amazing creator like Peter. What? What? And he built an awesome, diverse team? Come on. What more can we ask for? This is why I love comics and, and the business of comics. When we find people like you that definitely have an eye on the future, and it's about creating a great product and working with everyone. Thank you, Peter. Just Thank as a fan to a creator. Thank you so much for being bold and brave enough to take that, you know, that lane and put your product out there fearlessly for all of us to enjoy. Well, thank you so much, Al. You, you are, uh, you have a great show here and I really enjoyed talking with you. Now, Peter, you're right. Now, folks, I've been showing this baby off throughout the show. If you want to support Peter, not if you want to, you got to support. I mean, you're a fellow New Yorker. What? Bringing the game to the top level here. Follow him. High ground themusical.com and of course he's all over the socials so if you have facebook and instagram you go to higher ground the musical and if you have twitter and whoever you are on twitter that has the real name we got to talk man come on yeah i know you ain't using it you got hg the musical the number one all right so that's on twitter the links are below so you know feel free to click away click away support follow you know give them a shout out Make it happen, folks. This is the business of comics when we have future legends like Peter, you know, stepping it up now. This is going to be the long later on. I want to get spoiled, and every comic I read must have music. <laughs> Marvel and DC is not going to do that, all right? <laughs> so thank you again, Peter. Everybody, thank you for tuning in again. Please show the love and support independent comic books and creators like Peter. He's all over the web. He's going to be in a whole bunch of shows. I see him with he pimping it. And this is what real creators do when they believe in their product. They go everywhere and just tell you, this is what you need to check out. And I've had the honor of taking this look with the man himself. So thank you, for real, uh, on this awesome part. I can't wait to smell the ink and listen to the tunes. Yes. <laughs> you thank you so is? much, Al. No, thank you, Peter. Everybody, you know what it is. Follow ComicCrusaders.com, UndercoverCase.com. If you love this channel, please follow, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. All right? Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Much love. Our mega is out. Thank you for listening to the Comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit ComicCrusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCapes.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today. 